This has been our ladies retreat weekend and um, while I was not involved in it, I'm confident that there is a lot of really good work and deep study and prayer and and fellowship in that time. And in preparing for this weekend, I had a lot of conversations with Adrian and have tuned the lessons this morning and tonight to the aims and intentions of that weekend. I have a confession to make to start, which is that I sometimes can be easily distracted. I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes I'll be talking to someone. Hang on. <laughs> Boy, these things don't help, do they? Sometimes these things can really, you're trying to have a connection with someone or you're trying to focus on something, maybe even worship, and you can get distracted, not just by phones, but by so many things. There is so much to do. And our to-do list just run through our minds. There's so much out there to think about. What's happening on the internet? What's going on somewhere? And we can just so easily get pulled, pulled apart. We can become fractured. We can have our attention split in a million different directions. Here's a little statistic for you. Kind of a scary thought. At any given moment, 660,000 drivers are using their phones. And I don't mean in the background, in that hands-free way, like listening to a podcast or something. Using their phones while driving. One in four accidents comes from someone texting while driving. One in four. And if we're doing it while we're driving, you can bet it's happening during other things. Whenever we don't think our lives and other people's lives are at stake on how much attention we're giving. It's so critical that we find a way to center ourselves. We split our focus and then we shortchange the people who deserve our attention. The projects that deserve our wholeheartedness. The Lord and his worship at times, as we become first distracted, and then we become divided, and then we become distant. And so I want to look this morning at those three problems and what the Bible says from three key passages about how we resolve this. And the solution sounds simple. It's easy. I could say it to you in a sentence. But as we look at the scriptures, the work we have to do is applying it, is thinking deeply about it and thinking forward into our lives later this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day to remember, as the scriptures often say, those who are doers of the word are those who remember the word. Remember it when you need to apply it so that we bring our wholeheartedness to our lives and become wholehearted people in a half-hearted world. Distracted, divided, and distant. First, we get distracted. There is a story in Luke chapter 10 that is about these two women that I love and that Jesus loved. Two of his dearest friends. He really liked his brother, too. Their brother, too. 
this family, what a special family, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And they had this house in Bethany and Jesus would often come and be with them. And you can imagine what it must be like to host our Lord. The Lord. We're hosting, you know, family this week and they're easy. And I'm sure Jesus was a great guest. But he always brought his 12 closest friends with him when he went anywhere. And you want to give what you can. And Martha wanted so badly to take care of the Lord. And so she was maybe cooking dinner, taking care of things, making sure everyone was comfortable. A great host. But while serving is good, being distracted by serving is not good. And that's exactly what this passage says that she became. She became distracted. And isn't that something that can happen to us in so many different ways? Whether it's our to-do lists or our phones or our entertainment choices, our our social media, whatever it is, there's so many different things that can pull us away. And to be distracted means you are not giving attention to the thing that is most important right now. So you could be giving attention to something, something good even. What is better than serving the Lord and the disciples? Sitting at his feet. And hearing from him in the moment that it is the time for that. And so if you would look with me at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. It almost sounds virtuous. And I don't like to beat up on Martha because she's awesome. Read about what she said to Jesus in John at the, at the death of Lazarus. But here the Lord has to correct her because she's getting worked up. She's, she's boiling here. As she looks at her sister sitting there while she's doing all the work. And she says, Jesus, she's not going to listen to me, but she'll listen to you. You straighten her out. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her. You know the words, Martha, 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 Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious and troubled, not just about this, not just about your sister doing this, but I can see your heart, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things. You're getting pulled all over the place and you're stressed and you're worried and your anxiety has taken over. Right? You are worried and anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Boy, that is a critical thing he's telling her. That is critical for us. There is something, not a million things, but one thing that she needed to give her attention to. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, or some versions say the better portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose something that is going to last. Now, serving the Lord has lasting implications, of course, but that dinner is going to be forgotten. But the words that, as a disciple, Mary takes into her life and is changed by while she has the Lord sitting there teaching her will last. And so we have to ask, what is the lasting, the lasting thing? Distracted, divided, and distant. But when we become distracted, like Mary, or like Martha, we have to find what is the thing that is the good portion. This word distracted, the Greek word, means to have one's attention directed from one thing to another, to be pulled or snagged away, to be, to have one's, uh, to be pulled away from a reference point, to be quite busy and overburdened. Pulled away. There's something that is the reference point you should be focusing on and you're pulled to something else. I can relate. I can relate to Martha. And so when she's distracted with much serving, she's told that she needs do the thing that's necessary. And so when we're distracted by good things, by many things, we have to discern the better portion. Sounds like a, that's one step. That's step one of our process. But boy, that is some work to do. Right now, there is something right now that deserves your focus the thing that right now is about. What matters most right now? Right now, we're here to open the word of God and focus on that. Later, whenever you're talking to your spouse, they deserve your full attention. Whenever it's time to focus on a project, then that deserves your full attention. But we have to discern, what's it time for now? What, as the Lord directs me, Prince of Peace, control my will. What, as the Lord leads me, if I'm obedient to him, what should I be doing right now? And give that everything we've got. So first, we have to discern it, though. First, we have to determine what deserves my focus. Because if we're going to deal with this distraction, we have to first figure out what deserves the attention. But then we can so easily become divided. Divided, split all over the place. You know, yesterday with Adrian up north, you know, there was a lot going on. And I, and I had lots of help. 
my, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, we had the four kids there, but they did pretty well. There was a very important football game last night, you might or might not have heard, with Ohio State. And I had the lesson to think about, and we're working on the website, and there's different things going on all over the place. And, you know, it feels sometimes like God is doing this thing where the thing I need to hear is the lesson that I chose to preach on. And I was like, yeah, I'll preach on that. Oh, boy. I know, I know why I'm preaching on this. I know what the work I have to do is. And so it's easy to just, there's so many things pulling. And we have to find our focus, find our center. Justin um, Early Whitmull talks about this, um, this illustration for the way we get divided. He pulls it from the movie Harry Potter, this fictional story, of course, about this world where there's wizards and that kind of thing. And the villain in Harry Potter tries to create immortality for himself by splitting himself into these seven different objects. And it's kind of like, I don't know, his soul is in these seven objects. So if you destroy one of them, he's still around. But I think it's a really interesting illustration that, that he brings up here. He says, what he doesn't realize is that in trying to multiply his presence everywhere, he splits his own soul. In the end, the very effort to be omnipresent is the cause of his absence. And isn't that how it goes with us when we try to accomplish too many things all at once? Well, I think I'm a great multitasker, but multitasking is a myth. <laughs> You're just splitting focus over here and then over here really, really quickly. We have to learn to let go of the other things. I know there's more to do. Well, there's always so much to do. And I know there's fun things out there. And I know there's important things to think about. And I know you have goals for your spiritual life and all these things. But we just have to figure out what we need to, to focus on. And then we need to decide to focus on that. If we bring our purpose, our intentionality to our lives, we can declare with Paul this statement he made at the end of 1 Corinthians 9. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He's using this metaphor of, of athletics, right? I'm not running like I don't know where I'm going. I'm not boxing like I don't know what my target is. But when we're splitting our focus into all of these different things, we become like scattershot, like shooting a shotgun instead of like a rifle. We become like people who don't know what they're looking at or where they're going. We become divided when we need to decide what we've discerned is the thing that matters most is the thing we are going to aim for and focus on in this moment. Or as the writer of Proverbs says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. What's right in front of you? What is it time for? We have to train ourselves to not look at all the shiny distractions on the periphery, but, but to focus. Because if we don't, 
If we become distracted and we become divided, then the next thing we become is distant. We can start to separate ourselves. We can be off somewhere in all of these places, and then all of a sudden your wife says to you, this may or may not have happened many times, Earth to Ryan, are you there? Where'd you go? Hey, hey, let's be here. Let's be where we are. We're here now to worship. When you're at lunch later and you're there to be with someone, be with them. We have to engage. This is uh, all too familiar, this scenario from the movie Incredibles, where the kids are sprinting all over and Mrs. Incredible Elastigirl is trying to take care of all of the kids and her husband, Bob, is, you know, just half-hearted. He's not happy with work and everything. He lifts up the table and they run under it and he's moving around. And she finally says, Bob, Bob, it's time to engage. Do something. This is my best Holly Hunter voice. Do something. Don't just stand there. I need you to intervene. Do something. Do something. Well, isn't that what we're told over and over again in Scripture? For instance, in 1 John 3.18, Little children, let us love not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let your love lead you to act, to do something to engage with the problems and situations and needs and opportunities you see around you, the people with you. Where are they? Love them by getting involved. When we're distant, like, where did you go? We need to remember. We've already discerned it and decided on it. Now we got to do the thing. Oh, there you are. You're doing you're involved, you're active, you're engaged. And so the solution is that, just that, discerning and deciding and doing to get our focus on what matters most, using our resolve and our will and our focus with clarity to focus on that. And so let's just briefly apply this to some areas of our lives. When it's time to... Sit down with your five-year-old or your grandchild or a friend who needs a listening ear. Give them your whole attention. Jesus was great at this. Jesus was so great at this. I love, we're going to be studying Mark next session. And at the beginning of Mark, the book starts with just him sprinting. He starts right away in the book of Mark he starts doing these miracles and everybody is literally banging on his door. And he keeps going out and giving each person the attention of healing, of teaching. He, then he gets away and he prays and he gives that its attention. And people, his disciples come and interrupt him there and say, hey, they're asking for you out here. We've got huge crowds. We don't know what to do. 
And so he completes that and he goes back and he serves them. You in all of your to-do list don't have a bigger job than Jesus Christ did in his ministry here. But he was able to stop in John 4 after a tired day of traveling, leaning on a well with a hot sun beating down in Samaria. And when a woman came up to him to give her all his attention, like she's the only person in the world. He, did, he was reliable for that, to do that again and again, to just, just sit there and talk to whoever it was, to give the rich young ruler exactly the word that he needed to make the choice he needed, to give the disciples the instruction they needed, to answer the questions, to give the healing and compassion. He gave people his attention, and that's what we need to do. That's what love does. And it's time to rest. You know, Jesus said, let's get away and rest for a while. And when it's time to rest, we, there's a difference between rest and distraction. <laughs> rest is about renewal and recovery. You know, the Lord, built in, the, in the Mosaic Covenant, there was a commandment that required rest every seven days. Shut it all down. Why? Because the Lord knows us and the Lord created us for more than just getting more stuff done. That's important, but so is rest. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Beautiful statements in the Psalms over and over again about the trust that God's people have. That he makes me to lie down in peace, Psalm 4, 8. That... that in vain, they, they work and tirelessly work thinking they're going to do it themselves. But the Lord builds the house and he gives to his beloved sweet sleep. When it's time to work, then we show up and we work. That's what a Christian does. As Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do that a little bit, but also all the other things. No. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all. Not half. Not I'm saving some for later. With all your might. In Colossians 3, he's talking to slaves. And he says, here's how... Here's how you need to work. Don't phone it in. You're getting nothing out of this. Not on this side of eternity. You're not getting a paycheck. I don't know how, how that all worked in slavery, but it wasn't like they were working to get a bonus. But he says, work heartily as for the Lord. Not as a man pleaser, not, try, not with eye service, not trying to look good. Go do things nobody will ever know about except our Lord. And do it harder than the, you know, than the people who don't have a Lord that they're serving. And when it's time to worship, 
We set all of that aside because our Lord deserves, we're serving him in all of these areas. He is, he is the one we want to please in all of these areas. But in these times, not just when we come together, but when, when we pray over, before a meal, whenever we open our Bibles and try to hear him in his word, whenever, anytime we are worshiping, we give that our whole heart. We don't want to be like those Jesus talked about who followed the doctrines and commandments of men and whose, whose hearts were far from him as they worshipped him in vain. We want to be like those who, as the Psalms, Psalms use this word soul. I poured out my soul to the Lord. I gave my soul to the Lord. I worshipped you with all my soul. Soul means your life. It means everything you are. And we, bring, we show up with the Lord Saying, when we sang that song, how powerful was that? The song we just sang, all of the songs. When we say, for you have promised and I believe. And I will tell everyone, all men, of your salvation. I want to glorify you, Lord. And that worship, that worship is part of what keeps us going. Because we were created to find our place glorifying him and being in his presence and being with him. And so a little challenge for you. This will, be, this will be harder for some of us than others, maybe. But the challenge that I'm laying out there for you, should you choose to accept it, shut your phone off. And maybe for some of you, it's not your phone. Maybe it's turn off Fox News, you know, turn off whatever it is, sports radio or the the, the whatever it is that's going on, that's your distraction, turn off your social media alerts, whatever it is, shut it off for an hour sometime this week and give undivided attention to what matters most. I know we could give undivided attention without shutting that off. I'm saying this as a, as a way to bring a greater consciousness of the commitment we're bringing to all those signs our phone is on. And those other things are still a part of our lives. And I want to encourage you to take a moment right now and think about when you might do that. Maybe it's, maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe you're going to focus your attention on reading the Bible. Maybe, you're going, maybe it's at lunchtime at 12 o'clock and you're going to give your attention to your family lunch or to whatever it is. Think about that. More importantly, continue to bring a commitment constantly to devote ourselves completely to the Lord. People talk a lot these days about being present because I think our generation, maybe more than any other generation, has a challenge with this, with all this stuff we've got coming at us. It's like a water hose is constantly coming at us of data and ideas and distractions. But do you know the idea of presence goes back to the beginning of the Bible? And it goes to the end of the Bible. And what I'm talking about here isn't just our presence. I want to talk for just a minute as we finalize this lesson about God's presence. Jesus Maybe the most stressed out time that I could imagine anyone ever having 
would be that night before his betrayal, or the night of his betrayal, and, and then thinking forward. Sometimes he, looking to what's about to happen is even harder than the thing that happens, you know? And you, you can see that clearly depicted as we read the accounts of him in the garden. But you know what he did right before that? Like, I would want to just, just let me focus on what I've got to prepare to do. But instead, he got into an upper room and spent some intimate moments with his disciples. He shared a meal with them. Uh, and within that meal, that Passover meal, he shared this rite that we just engaged with him in. And he was present with them. And he was present with us. You know what else he did? He got down on his knees in front of each one of the disciples and washed their feet. I mean, here he is. He's about to die on a cross. And he's not giving attention to all 12 talking to them. Just Bartholomew. At their feet. What are you doing, Lord? And he washes the dirt and the mud off. And he tends to the wounds and cares for them. And he anoints them. He's taking care of them. That one person in front of him. Jesus. Jesus' presence with them mattered. And his presence with us matters. And what is the difference? The biggest difference. We can make a big list. What is the biggest difference between life here, right now, and life in paradise, whether the paradise garden of Eden or the paradise garden of the new heavens and new earth. What's the biggest difference? The tree of life is there and the, uh, everything is so beautiful. But the biggest difference is God is there in a way we've never experienced his presence before. And to be with him like that is everything. And he wants to be with us. Our presence fully showing up with his presence. Us being together with him. And so in a moment we're going to sing an invitation song. But I want to read a couple lines from this song that I love. It's in our spiritual songs book. We don't sing it very often. And after this, I, I read this. We'll invite you to... To come forward if you, if you haven't become a Christian through uh, repentance and confession and baptism for the remission of your sins. Or if we can serve you and support you in some other way. The song says, Dear Lord, I now address you and tell you I can't see how you could give your precious life for a human wretch like me. But if it would be possible to thank you face to face... I would give a million worlds like this to be with you in that place. The last verse says, Be kind to me, O Father, when judgment day draws near. I'll serve you and I'll praise your name while I am waiting here. And if I could be honored just to gaze upon your face, I would give a million worlds like this to be with you in that place.